everyone and welcome back to That's Lame, the equestrian podcast for horse girls from horse girls. Welcome back everyone. Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Now unfortunately both Evie and I have a cold, so if we sound terrible, that's because we also feel terrible. So we're struggling a bit. It's, it's with like the coughing. We have like these <laughs> massive cups of tea with us to try and like get rid of it. And I'd say that's been both our lames of the week, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. You know, last week we spoke about winter and how you need to reframe your mindset and, you know, enjoy the winter. When you add in like illness as well, it's just like... <laughs> you also like take for granted every like healthy day you had. Oh my God, I know. But anyway, what's been sound? I was going to talk about my bursary actually. <gasps> Because oh I realised that oh, yeah. it's something that I've never actually spoken about on the podcast. Basically, there was this bursary that you could apply for on the Young Professionals programme that I was on. And it's basically if you get the bursary, you get a lump sum of money that you can spend towards your career. And it's essentially a business plan that you have to submit as well as like an interview stage. So yeah, I was awarded the bursary, which I was really grateful for. I've already spent <laughs> basically... <laughs> All of it. I was saying to my trainer today, I was like, I wonder if other people take ages to like spend it. I didn't at all. You were like, right, it's in and now There's it's out. There's always so much stuff to buy though, isn't there? Yeah, but you spend it on a good thing. Oh yeah, you? like basically I can't just go on like a jolly. I can't just like book <laughs> a one-way ticket to like, I don't know, the Maldives or something. Yeah. Like it has to be towards my career. So I've basically booked to get my HGV license. Yeah. So, because she wants to work for Tesco yeah. as a trucker. Yeah, when I, <laughs> went, twist. when I went for the medical to apply for that, it was like, oh, so you want to be a lorry driver? And I was like, <laughs> aspiring to be. <laughs> um, and then I like later explained, I was like, no, I work with horses. And the doctor was like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> but anyway, so I applied to do that. And another sound actually is not just the bursary, but I passed my hgv theory this week knew you would which i was so relieved about because it was just one of those things that you want to pass so you don't ever have to do it again like you just want to get it out of the way and the thought of failing and then having to rebook and still like revise over the theory was just like super stressful so i was so relieved to have passed that and now it's just about booking to get my actual practical lessons but I think that's going to be something for the new year because this time of year is just so busy and like the closer you get to Christmas like the more chaotic it gets so I was very much like I think I'm gonna like postpone that until the new year. Christmas is literally around the corner. It's a January job. Yeah god you're gonna really regret that. (laughs) It's gonna be horrible. Oh no yeah come the new year you're gonna be like no. But I just sort of thought January's a horrible month anyway. Just make it extra horrible. Yeah I was just like (laughs) you might as well I'll just... <laughs> what about you? My sound is that, and I should have mentioned this last week actually, and I completely forgot is that in the last few weeks we've started PF training with Simba and he can literally PF so well it's actually amazing like the feeling of sitting on a good piaf i think is like unrivaled like sitting on a good piaf and a good canter pirouette is like the best feeling in the world for me and he just like gives it and i really did not expect him to do that because in terms of dressage sim was a very like long strung out horse but he can seriously collect when he wants to only in trot i'd say not in canter we cannot do a canter pirouette yet not even slightly close but the piaf is just amazing and the way that we're doing at the moment is me on top and my mum, you know, helping with the whip from the ground, just giving him the aid because that's kind of the way that you teach it. So he's done it in hand with my mum before. So without me on top and now we're just like transitioning it to me on top and then you start 
transitioning the aids from my mum on the ground to me on top in very brief terms which makes it sound super easy but yeah the feeling he gives is just crazy and mum on the ground is like oh my god and I'm on top like oh my god and then sometimes Simba's like oh my god <laughs> like, like throws his head in the air or takes off or something but that's by the by so that is just amazing and also a follow-up from last week I said that I was starting to do a canter zigzag from the Grand Prix with Sirocco but I was just doing it in like my version so doing it on the fence line and then uh, a couple of days ago I was like, yeah, I'm just going to give it a whirl. And I just went down the centre line and did three, change, six, 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 three. Easy peasy. Just did it. And I was like, wow, cool. <laughs> We're making moves, you know. We really are. But yeah, I'm just, I'm not really live, laugh, loving at the moment with this whole cold situation. Yeah, it's not good. No. I feel like we're going to be worse after talking for like half an hour straight as well now. <laughs> Moving on to the dilemmas, Evie? My trainer of 12 years doesn't like my new four-year-old and tells other clients, brackets, my friends about it. She says the horse is horrible and lazy. I've tried talking to her, but it doesn't change and I just feel so useless. I would list that under things that are far from ideal. It's really quite shocking. <laughs> it's really bad that it's it is very really unprofessional. Hugely unprofessional. And my first point of course is just leave. I don't care if you if they've taught you for 12 years. Yeah, I mean, it's a really hard thing to go through and the fact that she's been your trainer for 12 years makes it even more difficult because presumably you have a rapport with this trainer and you know them very well and and you, you know, enjoy their training because you've stuck with them for so long, but yeah, I, I sort of think if you've tried speaking to her about it and nothing's changed, that would really bother me to the extent that I would change. Because also, if they've been your trainer for 12 years, then surely they would have known that you were buying said horse. Well, that's also what I thought. I mean, maybe the trainer didn't go with the person to try the four-year-old. I don't know. Or maybe, maybe this person bought the four-year-old when it was much younger. I'm not sure. Also, if it's a four-year-old that they're saying is horrible and lazy... It's their job as the trainer to help you overcome that, not just be like, oh, that horse is horrible. Well, that's what I was about to say. I think it's a bit harsh to brand a young horse as being horrid because like you say, they do change so much. And saying it to your friends, like it's not going to get back to you. Yeah, and I'd say actually that we've only perhaps made remarks like that in the past when a horse has been dangerous, yeah. you know, so that's very different where whereas this person isn't saying that the horse is horrid or dangerous or done anything naughty or wrong it's just that their trainer's saying that it's horrid yeah and, and lazy as well and I'm a bit Which like a well, really weird thing to well say. sharpen the horse up then like yeah. you say that's your job that's the trainer's job yeah so yeah obviously option one is to potentially change your trainer yeah because like we said that is so unprofessional and the fact that she's not listening to you when you've spoken to her about it it's a bit like well what else can you do and if it's making you feel useless that's such a horrid word to want to brand yourself with yeah I think as well I wonder whether this person is I mean they must have spoken to their friends about it because otherwise how does how does the person know yeah that the trainer's been doing yeah, this yeah. like the friends must have been coming to her and being like this is what they're saying about you yeah which is not nice at all no it's not it's not nice 
Okay, option two. Okay, so option one, change your trainer. Option two, potentially be more forward with your conversation with her because I wonder whether it would, it could have just been like a bit of a flippant, you know, oh, you know, oh, please don't say that. You know, I really love my horse and, you know, I want to try it and whatnot. Maybe be like, okay, can we have like a coffee together or something and really sit down and be like, look, the way that you're making me feel about my new horse is bad enough that I'm considering leaving or I'm considering doing x y and z but I don't want to do that do you think we can come up with a solution so that she is or he is very aware of your feelings yeah about the whole thing because you can't having horses is so hard you can't have people around you that aren't being supportive and helpful and I'm sure you are not useless in any way and it's just really sad yeah and we've spoken about it a lot in the past about how important it is to have a good support network when you're working or just operating in general within the industry and your trainer is such a huge part of that support network so it is incredibly damaging but then at the same time I can see why this person might not necessarily want to change trainer because 12 years is a very long time well yeah and as well if all your friends are there then you know the the prospect of moving might be worse than the prospect of staying yeah I mean it is a good call having a more like direct conversation you could even as opposed to going for a coffee at the end of your lesson just say look a few people have come up to me and told me that you're saying these remarks about my horse I just want to say that I'd really appreciate if you didn't do that you know say it to me because obviously you want your trainer to be honest you want them to give constructive feedback might I add as well so if your trainer is saying oh your horse is horrid that's not constructive feedback I mean it seems like the trainer's almost got a personal disliking to your horse which is never a good thing and as a trainer even if you have a personal disliking towards a horse you don't say that to the client that's not your job no you know it's it's that client's horse so yeah and I would just be a little bit like if you don't change your behavior I'm going to have to look elsewhere because it's really upsetting me yeah and if she's really funny about that and kicks up a fuss then that's your answer and be like okay if I can't have an open honest conversation with you either then that's proving that this isn't going to work no and I don't think there's anything wrong with that either no I don't think there is and also you know the thought did cross my mind of being like oh well sell the horse and buy a new one but the fact that your trainer has been negative towards this horse could mean that they'd be negative towards another horse and also you know like I'd never get rid of a horse just because my trainer didn't like it I mean my trainer is my mum so that would be very problematic but the thing is like with my trainer Samantha so she's obviously your sister (laughs) I want whenever you say my trainer I'm like who oh Sammy (laughs) I want her to be honest and we're lucky we've got a very good relationship we get on very well outside of the trainer student dynamic like we socialize outside of that and things like that so I'm very lucky but in the same breath I always want her to be honest and I'm always pushing for her honesty for me if my trainer said my horse is lazy I wouldn't take that as harsh criticism no I would be like okay how do we resolve that yeah you know I would want to be told things like that I think things like that are fine but the word like horrible yeah like anything like I say that's personal to the horse's character I think is a little bit unacceptable yeah I mean, if it was just like a flippant remark, you could maybe be like, oh, okay. But the fact that the dilemma says that they've tried to speak to them yeah. and they still haven't changed. Yeah, it's bad. It's really bad. I mean, when we read it, we were like, oh my God, <laughs> we're actually like shocked to our core. Okay, so out of the options that we've just discussed, I think actually that option one, so your first port of call, should be to 
have a frank conversation with your trainer again give them another chance and make sure that you're super honest and super forward about what you're upset about and then if that still doesn't make a difference I think your last resort is to change your trainer and I think going back to option one you need to make that clear to the trainer you need to say to her I've heard you've been saying this I'd really appreciate if you don't do that and if it carries on I'm going to have to look elsewhere because it's really upsetting me and it's going to affect the progress with my horse. Really make sure that you say that to the trainer. Like I said, if that doesn't work, you're going to have to get a different one. It's just, I can't believe how unprofessional that is. Yeah, because as well, if your trainer thinks your horse is horrid, they're not going to invest in it in the way that you need them to invest. Yeah, and they're probably, yeah, like you said, the the training, like the effectiveness of the training is going to go down because they're already going in with that bias of, of not liking the horse. Yeah, yeah, which isn't ideal. And I mean, from the trainer's point of view you know trying to be nice it's hard to get on with every horse you know you're not going to get on with every horse and that's just a fact it's like you're not going to get on with every person but it's maintaining that professionalism around that that is being lost in this exactly because it's like with people you're not going to get on with everyone in life and that is the same with people and horses different personalities mix differently but like you were saying from a trainer's point of view there are lots of people that think oh I don't like that horse there's just something about that horse I really don't like but you don't say that to the client you think it's not my horse it's got nothing to do with me I'm here to provide a service and to help someone with their horse and you've got to remove all that personal and emotional bias out of it and deliver a good lesson yeah not you know say to the client that you think their horse is horrid and then go around telling everyone else also if you've had a relationship with this person for 12 years as a trainer why would you almost allow them to buy a horse that you thought was that terrible yeah that's part of the context that we need to know more about yeah send us more because lots of people obviously ask their trainers to go try horses don't they or they ask their opinion before buying yeah so that would be interesting to know but yeah we hope you're okay we 100% do not think you're useless at all and good luck with it let us know how it goes dilemma number two So one of our listeners sent in, when is the right time to put a horse down? Their horse has arthritis at the moment. My first thought with that, with this particular dilemma, is that arthritis isn't necessarily an end. You know, there's a lot of things to do with arthritis, such as joint injections and... It's such a spectrum, isn't it, of severity? I mean, you can have a touch of arthritis that, like you say, you just give them an injection or even a supplement and they can be absolutely fine and it can be really well managed with work as well. I mean, it depends on the type of arthritis that you have. But yeah, it's such a spectrum depending on whether it's just not that severe to the horses in real, real... I think I think as well something that we're going to talk about in the future is joint injections yeah because there's a huge like taboo about them and like being completely upfront and honest like nearly all of our horses have joint injections and you'd be hard pressed to find any type of sport horses that don't have them but it is seen as a bit of a taboo subject so we will get to that but back to this dilemma in terms of when you should have a horse put to sleep obviously every single individual case is very individual so I've always been told in the past that it's always better to be a day too early than an hour too late 
which is obviously, like I just said, is going to always be each individual horse and owner is going to have their own thoughts of when too early or too late is. But you have a responsibility as a horse's owner to put their quality of life above anything else. Yeah, I mean, that's precisely it, isn't it, really? I mean, it's there are so many factors involved, but I genuinely believe that it should be the last resort in that you should always investigate as much as possible but if you have done that and you've ticked every box almost and still you're in that same predicament then I do genuinely believe that sometimes you do need to be cruel to be kind and like you were saying the quality of life is paramount. I almost think we need to boycott that saying be cruel to be kind because I don't think that anyone should feel that putting a horse down is cruelty. No but I mean like the action of it I mean you cannot deny it's not a nice situation. No it's not nice at all. It's, it's not something that like really anyone wants to be involved with but as well as horse owners I do think that we need to kind of have pre-plans in place you know how like people have wills and what they want to happen in their funeral you almost need to have that with horses so that, you know come the inevitable time when your horse needs to be put down you're not frantically going I don't know who's going to come and do this I don't know the protocol I don't know how it works you kind of you need to know all of this beforehand I was involved in a situation I think last year with someone I knew and they had a horse that they had had I think for five or six years and it always had issues since they bought the horse and they did a really good job in managing it you know they managed all these issues for like I say, five or six years and did really, really well. But it did get to that point and our vet was really good and really on board as well. And they sort of said, I think it was the last arthritis injection I think the horse had. The vet was quite clear and being like, I think this is the last step because I mean this horse had loads of issues EMS arthritis history of laminitis you know you name it and then it was almost like that didn't make much difference so it was sort of the next thing they're gonna do which was really hard but I think also if you are in this position it is better to have someone else almost make that decision for you because I think sometimes when you're so personally involved you're almost your judgment's clouded Oh yeah, 100%. You know, by like your love for the horse. So I took control of that situation for this person and I think it was a lot easier. As a result, I made the arrangements. I was there for the actual, you know, day and things like that. And it was really horrible, but it 100% was the right thing to do. But it's like you say, every situation is so different and unique. Yeah, yeah. But just what you were saying about you need to have someone who's almost outside it say, no, I think it's time for them to go. Because we've had it a lot in the past, because obviously we've had a lot of horses and it's my family and my mum's sister and her family. We've always been... All of us always been involved with every single horse we've ever had. And there's been times in the past where like my cousin would go, I think it's time because my mum and my aunt weren't ready for it to be time, but it was. And then there's been times when my aunts had to say it. There's been times when my mum's had to say it. And yeah, just having that outsider who's not as fully emotionally invested as you are just say you know in, in in the kindest way possible and even to the point where that they organize it for you and that they sort it out and luckily for me and my like close family we've never had to be there with the horses which again like a lot of people say you should be there with them but it's not something that I particularly ever want to see so I've had 
horses put down in the past. One of my best sport horses who, when I had Apollo, he was going to like follow on in his footsteps. He was put down really quite young, about 11 or 12. And that was absolutely horrible. And the horse itself, they, they want someone there that they know. Well, that's the thing. And like with the situation I was just talking about, I think it's better for me to be there because the horse knew me, but also because I was that one step removed and that it wasn't my horse, I could sort of, I mean, it was still really horrible and hard, but could control my emotions better because I said to the person I was like you don't want to be there because I know you feel morally obliged to be there but you're going to get upset and that's going to upset the horse and the last thing you want to do in their last moments is for them to be stressed yeah you want your last moments of them to be a happy memory not when you know for lack of a better term the knacker man is there but also the horse needs to have really positive last moments too yeah. you know yeah, like yeah. i think with this horse i hand graze them on like the luscious grass possible because he'd never be allowed yeah. that usually fed him loads of polos like he literally was having an absolute best day ever. yeah yeah that's sort of what you want you don't want them to stress out no yeah circling back to having the right person come and do it you know there's like hunt masters or you know your vet can do it i have been told in the past that the injection is not as effective as a bullet this is such a horrible topic that we're talking about but again i it is something that kind of needs to be spoken about if it's the injection the horse is still alive when it's on the floor whereas a bullet obviously it's gone before it hits the floor So for the horse's point of view, it's a lot nicer. You know, it's not like they just lie down and fall asleep. You know, that they fight it the whole way through. I think as well with the injection, the vet's got to work out roughly the dosage required for it to do its job. And sometimes there is that risk that the dosage that they administer isn't enough. No. Which then can cause the horse to start thrashing, which isn't as, quote, painless as like we were saying a bullet which is instant yeah click your fingers and it's it's done yeah they're completely they don't know that it's happened yeah like it's not as clean and clinical looking as like the injection but because it's so quick even though it's not as nice to see from a person's point of view for the horse lots of people say that it's kinder yeah because it's like we said instant but actually I was having this conversation with the vet and a few liveries the other day and it is really important to have the right type of people around you because they were saying that on like the livery yard that they were at that one of the older horses was put down and you know the owners were in the tack room or whatnot and were so distressed and that the man who did it came round and found someone else on the yard and said, I'm really sorry, is there, can you get me a bucket of water and some shavings because there's a tiny bit of blood left over and I don't want them to see it, which obviously he didn't need to do, but he was just the type of considerate person that would do that because, you know, you, you wouldn't want to like go and walk to your car and then just see that the evidence is right there type thing. But yeah, circling back, when's the right time? Like we said, it's always better to be early than late. I'm not saying like, oh, let's just put them all down tomorrow. But yeah, if your horse is in a huge amount of pain. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, if you've investigated everything and you're at that dead end and the pain management that you're providing isn't working anymore. Yeah. And again, like visibly, you can see that the horse is in discomfort. Yeah. Every day. Then for me, I think then that is the right time. Yeah. But 
as we've reiterated, every case is so different. Yeah, it is. Even if it's not something like arthritis, I've seen before on Facebook or even people saying and they're like, oh, my horse is so old, you know, he can hardly chew. So he has to have like four really sloppy mashes every day. And even that, I'm a bit like, that's not really, it's not really okay. If they can't eat grass and be in a field and be happy as horses, you know, naturally should, then, you know, it's kind of time to say goodbye. Yeah, it's definitely, if you've managed something for so long and you're at that dead end now, that is the only option, unfortunately. Unless they can be turned away in a huge field with lots of grass and herd and be happy eating grass and like that, then what else is there? Yeah, and I would say, I've heard in the past people say, oh, you know, we let them go and they died themselves. But that itself can cause so many problems. Yeah, and I think sometimes that can be worse as well, actually, because they might not pass in like a nice way but it's almost like thinking oh what they're just gonna die really nicely in their sleep that might not always be the occasion it might be weeks of them being in agony yeah and also it could have been like times and times of them lying down and being unable to get up and then the time that they do pass is when they cannot get up and they like starve to death yeah which is is quite a horrid ending as well In the past, when we've had horses on livery, we've said to them, if there is an emergency, do you want us to make the call? Because we've had before once, when I was quite a lot younger, we had a livery in who'd been in livery for years and years and years. And the horse just cantered across the field and just broke its leg. And the owner was in Canada and they were not able to make that decision. That horse needed to be put down like within the hour. Yeah. And we weren't able to get hold of them. They weren't able to assess the situation or anything. That that was really horrible. But they were very thankful that we'd done that because as well, they weren't then, they didn't have to see any of it. They weren't involved in it. Yeah, it's a really horrid topic. And it's never easy to make that decision. No, it's not. But sometimes it's not a decision you want to make, but it's a necessary one. It's a part of life. Yes, it is. That was so heavy. I feel like we need to lift the mood. So, Evie, have you seen the trend online that's like, if you had 45 minutes to hide a paperclip in your house before the FBI came to try and find have the paperclip? Have you asked me this before? Yeah, not on the podcast. But I thought we could do it, a horsey version. So if you had 45 minutes to hide a hoof pick on the yard before the FBI came round to try and find it, where would you hide it? What did I say about the paperclip originally? Didn't I give the exact same answer as the person in the video? Wasn't it like put it in a jar of paperclips? Yeah. <laughs> that, like, yeah, that is what I said. Because yeah. <laughs> it's like you, there's one specific one that they need to find. Yeah. Okay, so hoofpick on the yard. Where would you hide it? Um, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because hoofpicks themselves are just things that like they just run away. Yeah, they do. That and like one glove. They I just mean, you run could argue, away. just put it on the floor and it would just disappear. <laughs> it would just, be gone. just put it back where it belongs and it'll disappear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> put it back on the hook yeah, and within and half just... an hour it'll be gone. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually how it goes. No, all jokes aside, maybe like I would probably lob it in the muck heap. Okay, in the muck heap. Yeah, yeah I would probably yeah, a good one. like dig a hole. They're not going to want to go through that, are they? They won't. I'd dig a hole into, like, when it goes black. Ooh, <laughs> disgusting. You know when you get really deep? Yeah, yeah. And I'll just plop it in there and then I'll cover it. Because also, if they got <laughs> sniffer dogs out... They're not going to sniff through that. And they got them sniffer hoofpick, they would not be able to sniff out that smell. <laughs> no, no, okay. Okay, that's quite a good one. So, yeah, I'd either put it on the hook where it belongs... <laughs> 
just wait for it to take itself off. Or I'd bury it in the muck heap. What would you do? I was thinking about dropping it down a little rat hole. Oh, yeah. How would you get it out? (laughs) How would I get out of the muck heap? I wouldn't remember where I buried it. No, I'm not sure that we need to get it back. Oh, okay. No, I'd put it down a little rat hole because like, the only thing that comes out of that is rats. To be honest, like, you could even you put it in a stable them. and you wouldn't be able to find it. Have you ever dropped a hoof pick before yes. in a bed and you're like, oh, Christ. I once lost an arc equine in the horse's bed. So an arc equine is like a little machine that you attach to the horse's leg and it's like a tens machine for them. But the horse I put it on literally took it off, took it apart and just lobbed it. So the actual machine, which probably costs like upwards of like £100, was just nowhere to be seen we went through the entire bed and this was at like nine o'clock on like a winter's night put all of the bedding up on one side went through it put it all up on the other side went through it i was going around the back of the stables to see if he'd thrown it out the window literally nowhere to be seen and i was like right well you know like i'll have to lift up the mats underneath and like try and find it i was looking in the water buckets like under his rugs you know just anywhere 10 days later it just appeared in the stable so it'd been there the entire time and i just couldn't find it and that's like 10 days of mucking out as well still not found it do you remember when we had that horse in that had a keratoma and after he had the procedure which essentially like dug a hole in his foot he had to have a plate put over his hoof yeah for and context, it was, um, a keratoma is a tumor in the foot and it was screwed this plate was screwed on wasn't it almost yeah back onto his foot to protect it whilst he was sort of recovering and do you remember one of the screws came out yeah and that was like a big fat screw it was like the size of your thumb yeah i'd got i had to get a metal detector out yeah and go through the bed yeah because he, he couldn't stand on no as well. well that's the problem and it's the same with dropping a hoof bit you sort of think oh god you wouldn't want it to be pointing up the wrong way and then no. bloody stand on it no typical but it does just disappear or i put it in one of my coat pockets that's got a hole in the bottom and then <laughs> yeah. it'd be in the lining of the coat i hate that they'd never find that i always drop my phone in and it'll yeah. like slip all the way to the bottom and you're like no no okay those are good options though <laughs> if the fbi were going around they would not find our stuff Evie just called me lame and I'm like well the whole thing's called that's lame isn't it because we are bloody lame if the FBI ever came around <laughs> they'd never find us like how old are you uh, <laughs> how old are we also the FBI like they're not in the UK <laughs> oh I've had one too many lem sips man like my brain's not alive also last episode married at first sight this what? week oh yeah that's a phenomenon that has been going on for so many weeks that we've not spoken about. Yeah. I've watched every single episode religiously. I've never watched a maths, they call it, don't oh, they? Maths. It makes me ill when people say that. Yeah. All the way through, but this season's good. This season is really yeah, good. Yeah, so if you haven't seen it, definitely give it a old watch. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode That's Lame. Hopefully next week we won't be feeling so rough. So anyway, we will see you then. Love you, bye. bye.